pledge allegiance to the band. It may perhaps discourage you, unless of your kidney, or infected with this vicious virus, that you'll be ordered to pay a fine of 75 pounds. I'll pay now, if you don't Just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder. These guys would have it. Welcome to Movies That Rock, a rock and roll journey through cinema. I'm your host, Josh Fitzgerald, and today joining me for the first time on the podcast is my friend from outside of Toronto in Oshawa, Ontario, um, who I got to know playing Name That Tune every Saturday afternoon. Um, This is Mr. Mike Drew. How are you? Not bad. How are you? I'm doing great. A fellow teacher here. This is exciting. We were talking chat before we started. <laughs> yeah, we'll try. We'll try not to do that during this. <laughs> yes, it's, <laughs> teachers that rock the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, there you go. We who? Yeah. You know, there's a sidecast right there. there. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm a, sure it'll be a huge, huge demand, a huge audience for that. Why wouldn't there be? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so, how's everything going out your way? Yeah, you know, I'm sure the same as you and everywhere else. Um, yeah. We're currently in lockdown and just trying to, to make the best of it and uh, get through this craziness that is uh, yeah. 2020 into 2021. Yeah, I know. 2021 is, is shaping up to be a, another year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had ton of, tons of uh, obviously plans and ideas for 2020 and then that all came to a halt. And, right. uh, and they're still halting. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, everything's still on pause. It's like it's like the old tape decks when you hit pause and then you walked out of the room and you went, oh, I left it on pause and you had to run back in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so. Yep, for sure. And, and I'm old enough to know what you're talking about. I know oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I actually just read it. It's really funny. I just read oh, Getting the Teacher Talk. I just read this book <laughs> and it's it's from the early 80s. Uh, it's by an, a Canadian author named Gordon Corman. And the main character tapes it, takes a tape deck on vacation with him. And I thought, okay, do I change this to like, phone or ipod yeah. or do i do i just explain to the kids what it actually is do like the google gotta do the google image search and just mm-hmm. show them you know absolutely I, I live on google images it's my favorite i know like yeah i use it i use it a lot and i'm teaching online like uh, online right now like you mm-hmm. are and as we were talking about and yeah i use it i use yeah, it more every than every day yeah absolutely <laughs> so this this movie that we're going to talk about today was one that i admit i had never heard of before you suggested it and, um, and I don't want to get into too much of it yet, but I, I do want to say that um, you brought this movie to my attention like way back, like a few months ago when lockdown was like really in its, in its, uh, <laughs> in its climax, I guess you could say, just as something is like kind of a feel good thing. And yeah, um, I mean, and- I think, I think mm-hmm. um, you know, like you, you mentioned earlier, we got to know each other through music. And, um, you know, it, it, obviously everybody's looking for entertainment right now. And I think it gets to the point where people start running out, right? There's only so yeah. many Netflix shows that you can binge. And, right. and especially you're looking for things that uh, are, are, are going to have your interest, but, you know, something new that you haven't maybe been exposed to. And right. um, yeah, I don't remember if you and I were talking about movies or, or like about your podcast or whatever the case was. But yeah, I thought of this because this is one of my favorite um, music movies. I'm not going to claim it's the greatest film ever, but it, it makes me <laughs> smile and it yeah. makes me laugh. And it's got a lot of great actors and actresses in it. Mm-hmm. And um, the, I, I think it's got some pretty good music as well. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it's amazing. So, so the movie, just so everybody knows, it's called Still Crazy from 1998. And um, yeah, so I, I 
I want to thank Mike for introducing me to this movie because um, I guess I'll just go right out of the gate and say that um, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was great. Nice. Um, I'm glad. I, yeah, I was. I and I admit that I did not really know what to expect. <laughs> you you kind of gave me like a basic premise when we were when we were texting about it. Yeah. Um, but it didn't really prepare me because I thought so. The marketing, I guess, for this movie seemed a little bit weird to me because you have a, so we're on Zoom right now and, and I know people can't see because we're on a podcast, but behind him, he actually has a poster of the movie right there. <laughs> and, and I leaned over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's a cool poster, but I, I don't think it really is a good representation of, of the tone of the movie. No. Because um, I was expecting something more like Spinal Tappy or um, something a little bit more silly. Yeah. And it, it really was, I mean, they're funny moments and it's, it, it's, it, it's very, it's very humorous movie, but it was not quite that it was a little bit more, more grounded in reality and more serious and dramatic. Well, the two, the two gentlemen who are kind of like the screen, the, the writers, um, Ian, I'm going to pr pronounce his name wrong. I apologize. Ian, uh, Ian LaFrenance, I think, and mm -hmm. Dick Clement um, are two kind of well-known British TV writers mm -hmm. um, and they're known. And, and it's funny because I always find with British what, what they classify as a British television comedy. Um, it often, it, it's not like an, I always find there's a huge difference between British sitcoms and American sitcoms because what qualifies and then the old adage is, is that a British sitcom um, or sorry, an American sitcom, the main character says the joke Whereas in a British sitcom, the main character is the joke. And, and so when I heard that, it kind of makes sense, but they're really well known. They've, uh, there's two, um, or sorry, three shows in their uh, kind of repertoire that I'm very familiar with. And it's exactly what you just said. I mean, there's, there's I think the, the great thing about British comedy for me, and, and I'm definitely an Anglophile, like I, I love, you know, my wife mm -hmm. is English and I love <laughs> British culture and stuff. Um, but there's, you have to have darkness to have light. And I think that happens a lot in this movie where there's, yeah, like you said, it's, it's not necessarily as silly as say a spinal tap. And there are some actually kind of say dark moments. And there's some, you know, there's a, definitely a cloud that hangs above uh, the band and, and the, the plot at times. Um, but then you've got these real, so when the light comes, it's very welcomed and, and it's uh, I, I, I agree a hundred percent and we can get into the, some of the, the shows that they had wrote in the past um, later or whenever you want. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but they, they definitely follow in that, in that same suit for sure. Yeah. You, you nailed, I actually had never really thought about British comedy that way as the main character actually being the punchline because mm -hmm. that, that really, that, that really skews the concept of what we consider here a, a sitcom, you know? So Absolutely. that's, it's brilliant. And you nailed it too with, um, with the, the light kind of being brought in with the darkness, like a lot of the character humor in this movie is is funny but it's funny because it's also very sad <laughs> yeah i mean there's definitely a, a tone of um i don't want to say of being pathetic but like there's a patheticness to it at times where it's yeah. just like it, it almost kind of like um i don't know if you ever saw the movie the wrestler with mickey Rourke. oh i love that movie yeah. it's a fantastic movie and and it it's almost his life is almost pathetic because he you know he's trying to reach these glories uh, now that's not a comedy that's a drama Mm -hmm. um, but this is, I don't think it's terribly far removed because it's a, a, a couple of them and not everybody in the band. And again, we'll kind of get to that, um, is, is looking to, for this big reunion, um, to kind of relive the glory days. And, uh, 
you know, but it, not everybody's life is where I'm sure they would have hoped it would be. Right. Absolutely. Um, that's a good point. That's it's such an extreme example, the wrestler, but you're, you're totally right. It's not that far removed because it's, I mean, you have these people who are kind of washed up and, mm-hmm. and um, battered and bruised and, yeah. um, and I did seen, a lot of better days. Right. Exactly. And I did a lot of this reaction in the movie where I do a little like, Oh, mm, <laughs> you know, it's absolutely. very, very much that. <laughs> but that being said, like, it's not something that at the end you're going to walk away feeling sad or you're going to walk oh. away because there is that optimism at the end There's the, there's the hope. Uh, of a new a new day or a new beginning right. um but you know yeah i think and that's one thing i really like about british television and british film like i said i mean i there's definitely that dichotomy of of light and dark of happy and sad um and just you know understanding that one comes with the other it doesn't have to yeah. be constantly joke 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 or constantly dark 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 right so right very character heavy yes yeah and, and they and they have very strong arcs too in this movie mm. And, and a lot of British shows too. I mean, the characters are really well-drawn and well-developed, so. Yeah, I think they, I think my, you know, like I said, I do watch a lot of British television in particular. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think a lot of times when I recommend a show, a British show to somebody who I think, hey, you might like this or whatever, they're always like, but it's only six episodes. And I'm like, yeah, but they, the path is right. Like they, the, the beginning, the middle and the end, it all makes sense. And like you said, if it's a character driven drama or comedy, um, they do it well. Like it, mm-hmm. it, I, I can't explain. And there's no offense to American uh, productions or Canadian productions or what have you, because yeah. a lot of those I love as well. Um, but I just think that so many of them do it really, really brilliantly. Yeah, I agree. I, I get a little anxiety when I when I go to start a new show and I notice it's like 12 episodes long and they're all like <laughs> one hour and 15 minutes. I mean, mm. oh boy, this is mm-hmm. going to be a struggle for me. Absolutely. <laughs> I like the real like succinct, boom, you know, one and done kind of thing. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I, I, I really like and, and, and it's funny because some of the shows that um, uh, Dick and Ian wrote in the past. Uh, the three that I'll, I'll, I'll mention really quickly are mm-hmm. uh, The Likely Lads. And then there was a spinoff called Whatever Happened to the Likely Lads, which is actually a song Pete Doherty in the, um, oh, what's the name of that band who's escaping me right now? I should know it. Oh, um, um, the, the Libertines. Libertines. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there so there's a, there's a, they have a song that's called Whatever Happened to the Likely Lads. Um, and a likely lad is, you know, uh, is a British slang for uh, a young person who's got a lot of uh you know future ahead of mm-hmm. them um and and optimism um but that's a wonderful show it was on in the 60s it's black and white and then they redid oh, wow. it in the 70s called uh um whatever happened to the likely lads and it's about two best friends and basically uh you know kind of their life at their young in the first series and then in the redo in the 70s they're a bit older one is married the other one's still a bachelor and it's like how do they kind of get along and um they do my favorite one of their shows is a show called porridge um and i don't know if you've ever seen it Mm -hmm. um it's a british show i'm writing all these down here on my ipad because i'm these sound very much up my alley (laughs) yeah so porridge is um set in a prison okay it's probably best known for being the show that gave richard beckinsale his uh, big break and Richard Beckinsale is Kate Beckinsale's dad. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. And he's brilliant. And, and, and the main character is a, a gentleman named Ronnie Barker. Uh, Ronnie Barker was in a famous British skit show called the two Ronnies, uh, Ronnie Corbett and Ronnie Barker, Ronnie Barker's, but again, there are these episodes. Um, I think there's three series. Each, ep- each series is six episodes long. Yes. They're a comedy, but it's set in a prison and, you know, it's uh, there's definitely 
comic elements and it's, it's classified as a comedy, but there's so much darkness and sadness that the comedy really shines through with them. And I think it's one of the most brilliant shows. I would say it's in my top 10 shows of all time. Wow. Um, I think it's from the early 70s. Um, there was actually a spinoff from that called Going Straight, which is okay. It's not great. Um, but then the other show, and this is the one that really kind of ties into this movie, was uh, a show that came out in the early 80s called Avita Zing Pet. And if you're not familiar with um, the word pet, it's kind of slang for like sweetheart or um, oh, okay. because my grandfather was Scottish. <laughs> And we were talking about grandparents Mm -hmm. uh, before this. And my grandfather was, and every time he would see my mom, his daughter, he'd go, you know, he'd say, oh, you all right, pet. And pet (laughs) is like, you all right, sweetheart. You okay? You know, um, it's a term of endearment. And so Avita Zing Pet, uh, what the show was about was a a group of construction workers in Northern England who basically during the 80s, during, you know, Maggie Thatcher era, Mm -hmm. a lot of them lost their jobs and had to go abroad for work. And in the first series, I believe they go to Germany and hence Avita Zingpet because they're saying goodbye to their significant others as they go look for work. And uh, but again, there's this brilliant dichotomy of, of uh, you know, light and dark. And there's some great comedic moments, but there's also some real kind of sadness. And um, and actually a lot of those actors who are in that were, were in those uh, original, I think the first two series end up actually in this movie. So, wow, yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. I'm actually, as you're telling me these, I'm actually going online to see where they might be streaming. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of those are on YouTube. You didn't hear that from me. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's fantastic. I, I'm learning so much already about these shows because I, I, TV is kind of a blind spot for me in general. Um, I, I've usually, I get a little bit commitment phobic when it comes to TV shows. So when I, when I hear something like, like that, that's, you know, six episodes, it kind of like lights the fire yourself. I tend to find, um, and, and maybe it's because of where I am in life, but I'd say in the last decade or so, which is kind of around the same time as my son was born, um, we are looking for kind of shorter commitments, right? So yeah. a, a six episode series or uh, a 10 or a 12 um, is a lot, and, and a show that's maybe half an hour or 45 minutes or something yeah. is a lot more, is a lot easier to digest than uh, a two hour movie at this point. For sure, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Yeah. And I've, I've noticed like a turning point in me personally since, since you know, you know, lockdown, the pandemic started. My, my attention span has, has definitely <laughs> drunk a lot because I've, my mind has been so polluted with so many things going sure. on, you know, that, that I have a little, my limit has been, you know, decreased significantly. So, um, but in, in the case of a movie like Still Crazy, that was not the case because it's such an engaging movie from start to finish. And yeah. Just the, the 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 momentum is always there it never really lets up and um so yeah i guess maybe i can give a, just a little quick um just a brief synopsis of, of what the movie is about so it's um we're, we're kind of brought into 1998 which is when the movie was made and 20 years after a kind of i guess it was a breakup was it considered a breakup of, of the band of a band called strange fruit a fictitious band um, they kind of ended their career right there for they had some issues some interpersonal drama, as we see a lot of in the movie. <laughs> um, so they so they kind of just put everything on pause they went their own separate ways um, got, I guess more traditional day jobs, and, um, and eventually they're kind of um, without getting into too many details they are kind of talked into or coerced into reforming and uh, starting another tour, getting back getting all you know the old guard back together. And um, as expected, a lot of drama and hijinks ensue, <laughs> mm-hmm. and um, a lot of um, skeletons 
um, in the closet are revealed. <laughs> well, the one thing that kind of parallels Spinal Tap for me is that, uh, and, and you kind of mentioned it there, was that one thing that I find with this movie is that there's not a main character, right? Yeah. I think, so the keyboard player, Tony, is the first one you meet and he kind of gets the ball rolling. But mm-hmm. there's so many, once the other members in the band um, and Karen, the the woman who was kind of their gopher, you know, <laughs> slash roadie sl- or yeah. slash groupie back in the 70s and now becomes their manager. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's there's those kind of driving forces which get the, the story underway. But, you know, I, I mean, you've got Billy, the wonderful Billy Conley, one of my favorites of all time. Oh, yeah. yeah um, he, you know, yeah, he's fantastic character. He also narrates, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. a bit of narration and he does that as well. Um, so whether he's the main, but like, I don't think any of them are really the main character. Like, it's so, like right. you said, it's so character driven. It's so character heavy, but um, you don't get lost or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's. Uh, I, I think I, I, I love it, you know? Yeah, and they have great chemistry together too. Like Absolutely. They, you can tell, like you mentioned that they've kind of worked on other projects together and you can, you can tell that they've kind of, are lived in as far as the relationships go with each other and their yeah. presence. And I think the British, you know, that you tend to find that too, especially if you do start watching a lot of British television or movies and stuff, you start to see the same people a lot, right? The, mm-hmm. Obviously that, um, you know, the British film industry is nowhere near as big as Hollywood or, or, or I'm sure Bollywood or any, you know, the other kind of major uh, filming hubs. Yeah. And, um, you know, but yeah, absolutely. Avita Zing Pet, I mean, you've got Jimmy Nail, uh, who's um, the bassist Les. Les you've yeah. got, <laughs> yeah, Timothy Spall, who plays Bino the drummer. Um, you know, they come from, and, and actually there was a reboot of Avita Zing Pet in I think 2001, 2002. And if I remember correctly, Bill Nye's in that. So, okay. mm-hmm. you know, you've got, you're absolutely right. Like, and I'm sure there's other things that they've worked on that I'm not even thinking about, but, but you're also right. working with the writers as well at that point too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Timothy, Timothy Spall and Bill Nye were the two that I was probably the most familiar with right. going into this. Um, and I, 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 you know, I, I kind of recognized a lot of the other people just in passing. I, I you know, I couldn't place exactly where, but, um, but yeah, just, it's, it speaks to how, how legendary they are. And absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, who are some of your favorite characters? I could list a couple of mine, but I'll let um, you go first. <laughs> I love, I love Les, which is, mm-hmm. excuse me, Jimmy Nail's character because he's kind of the, the grumpy, um, you know, uh, he's actually, he's one of the more successful ones post-band, right? Like he's, yeah. him and his, his wife um, have built this big roofing uh, company but he admits to her that he hates it, right? Yeah. Like, he's like, I don't want to do this. Like, <laughs> he, if this works out, He doesn't out, really I'm done. pull punches about it. He's no. like, this sucks. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and he's a jerk, right? Like, he, yeah. he holds a grudge against the singer from what had happened back in the day and stuff. But I love the character in the sense that, like, you don't have, there's no pretense, right? right. I'm not saying he's the nicest guy, but he's, there's no pretense of like, what you see is what you get. And here it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Billy Con. Like, I think Billy Conley was made for this role. Um, this, this kind of burnt out roadie who's kind of the philosophy, you know, he's the philosophy major on, on the crew, right? (laughs) Like he comes out with these brilliant one-liners, um, you know, and he comes out with, uh, the wisdom and the knowledge and the direction for a lot of the characters. Um, 
and I love him. I love them all. I love Bino. Like, I think yeah. he's like the lovable rogue, uh, yeah. which is Timothy Spall. And I'm sorry, I'm probably stealing some of your thunder here. <laughs> no, <but. laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. This is great. Um, yeah, no, I, I definitely Huey, Huey and Les for me were, were the two standouts is totally and their their relationship. Their, those two were yeah really funny. Um, and and Ray is, you know, such a hot mess. <laughs> But he's he was the one that maybe was the most empathetic character, I would say. Yeah. The one that at least I, I kind of had the most Because for. he's really trying. And there's yeah. the great, I mean, it's the whole, uh, the, I'll, I'll show you that that contrast of light and dark is that one scene where he goes to Karen, who's the manager, and he goes, I need to go to a meeting. Oh, and, yeah. and, and she says, yep. and, and he says an AA meeting, and she says, okay, so I'll set it up. And then he ends up, I think it's in Norway and they end up at the meeting and they're all speaking in Norwegian and then it's his turn and he stands up and he goes, you know, I've been an alcoholic and they're like, alcoholic. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. And it's about arthritis. Like it's an arthritis support right, right. group. And she, he's just looking around like, but you feel for him. You're like, yeah. oh, buddy. Cause he so. looks, you can tell he's so humiliated. Yeah. When he sits down. <laughs> my, my favorite little moment kind of along the same lines. That it's, I think it's kind of a classic moment from this movie is when um, the delivery guy comes in with the steak <laughs> of pizzas and he gives him the receipt and he says, uh, can you sign here please? And so, and so Ray, Bill Nye's character is Ray. Um, he said, okay, best wishes. And who do I make this out to? And the delivery guy goes, no, this is, this is for the pizzas they ordered. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> and, great. and you can tell he's so deflated. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so many great scenes. Like, and, and it, it, the jokes, it's like we said earlier, like I said earlier, it's not joke, 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 joke. But, you know, 99% of them land really well because mm -hmm. they're just, they're perfectly timed and yeah. they're just witty. And yeah. I, yeah and I, it balances I the drama and the comedy so well. Absolutely. There's, there's, and that's another thing I think that makes the comedy work so well too, is because you're not bombarded with jokes. There's breathing room. Yeah. Humor, you know? Well, I think the same even with Spinal Tap. And I mean, obviously mm -hmm. I wouldn't say they're alike, right? Cause this is no right. mockumentary. Right. Um, you know, uh, Rob Reiner isn't, you know, there's no care. I mean, you've got Billy Conley narrating, but, but the, the, the Rob Reiner character of, you know, the person who's kind of in charge of the film is that that doesn't exist in still crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and, but there's a lot more silliness in still in, in not still crazy, sorry, in spinal tap. There's a yeah. lot more, um, you know, there are a lot more jokes and there's a lot more punchlines. Right. And, the, you know, as, but there is, there are definitely similarities. I don't think anybody who loves spinal tap wouldn't like this. You know, I agree. I'd, yeah. I'd be very surprised if somebody didn't. There might be part elements of it they don't like, but I don't think anybody right. would go, "Oh God, that was awful." Yeah, I totally agree. I I was expecting more like Spinal Tap, but um, but like I said, this is a lot more grounded in reality, mm -hmm. and um, also too, I I think like I I mean I was expecting something like Spinal Tap. What I got was something more like almost famous, I would say. You know, at least in the certain you know talking about the band interpersonal band relationship and the you know yeah. what it's like to. Um, you know, create music with other people and, 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 and you know, e clashing egos and setting up tours and watching tours fall apart. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it's yeah. funny you say that because, you know, Almost almost Famous is a period piece, right? Because, it, yeah. you know, even though it's however many years old at this point, like it was set in the past prior when it was filmed. Right. Whereas this was obviously present day. And, and one of the things, because I did rewatch this recently, one of the things I did notice was, you know, um, some of the things I don't want to say have dated, but I mean, there's definitely 
uh, a part to this where you look back for us and, and for me, because I remember uh, when this movie came out, you know, they talk about, um, so one of the things Karen does near the end is she goes to the record company, their old record companies, and is trying to get them to release like a box set. And not mm-hmm. that box sets don't happen anymore. They do. Um, but it's just like, there's, there was things like that. Like nobody, I mean, Les talks about calling his wife from the roofs. Obviously he has a cell phone, right? but there's no, like, nobody's posting, you know, clips to the show on Instagram to, right, you right. Know, to, so like, you can't just text him, text her from the roof, you know? No, exactly. So, I mean, there were parts of that that kind of made me, I kind of thought, wow, 20 years ha- or 20 years right. plus have passed since this. But I think, like you just said, the elements of, you know, band turmoil and character growth and stuff, they're all still there. Like, I don't think anybody's ever going to take that away from this. I totally agree. You know, in some ways, this, um, without ruffling too many feathers myself, um, I, I think this movie may have aged even a little bit better than Almost Famous in some ways. Um, and the reason I, should... I say that is because I, I feel like Almost Famous has a little bit more of, of like, this is now trying to do back then, whereas still crazy is just this is right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I should. I haven't watched Almost Famous in years and I loved it, you know, at the time. Yeah. And I, I'm sure I saw it maybe 10 years ago, but I haven't seen it. I, I'd be I'm, I'm curious. I, I, you you might have put the bug in me to go back and watch that. So <laughs> and I, I think I mean, I, I think Almost Famous is a great movie. I do have my issues with it. I mean, um, but you know, that's, just, mm-hmm. it's, it's with any movie, but, it, but this one, I think is a little bit more, um, it, there's, there's less fat to trim in this movie. It, it's, it's short. It, it moves really, really well. Um, yeah. Uh, well, it's, it, that's what I was going to say about the box that you had mentioned that I took a little mental note because mm-hmm. when I was watching it during that scene, when she mentioned that, uh, maybe we should put out a box set immediately in my head, I thought, Oh, they were doing box sets in 98. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was more a more recent thing, but no. Oh gosh. I've spent many, many a dollar on box sets <laughs> for many years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that was a good moment. Um, yeah. She was not the most uh, competent, shall we say, manager. No, she, you know, she's, she's, she does it cause she's a fan. Right. So, and, right. and the character we're talking about, Karen, um, who is, you know, was the love of, and we don't want to give too much away, but there was, there's a character who's not in the band, um, who she was kind of attached to in the seventies when at their heyday. Mm-hmm. And um, she's a fan of, she's a lover of the music. And she, you know, there's a great line in there. She says, um, I want people to feel the way that I do when I hear the music or something like that. I'm yeah. paraphrasing. Yeah. Um, and so she does it cause she loves it. I don't, think you know and then her daughter at one point says because her daughter also kind of comes on this trip um says you know like i don't i I thought i better come because i didn't know if she'd be able to pay the mortgage next month um because who knows how well this is gonna go right and obviously you gotta kind of watch but it's you make a great point about trimming the fat because that's one of the things i kind of forgot about this because i hadn't watched this in years was I mean, there was actually a couple points where I was like, I was like, you know what, I'd love if they explained that part a little bit more or yeah. this, but I, I think, like you said, I think they've made it as trim and as lean as, as they could possibly go. Um, yeah, this is, this comes in like right at a solid hour and a half, which yeah. is perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> two, two short episodes of a drama put together. And there Absolutely. You there you go. It's the same <laughs> as binging two things on Netflix. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So, so I, I kind of wanted to mention, um, I was thinking a lot too about, so the band is called Strange Fruit. That's the name of the band that, that's, um, 
that this movie centers around, that it revolves around. So Strange Fruit, I, I kind of, one thing that I'd wish they had kind of discussed a little bit more, because I, I was a little perplexed by their name, Strange Fruit. Mm. And the reason is when I hear the term Strange Fruit, I immediately think of that um, harrowing Billie Holiday song um, about, you know, slavery and, um, right. you know, life on the plantations and lynching, which is very, very much not what this movie is at all. No. Um, so I, I was just curious as if there, you know, if you or anybody listening has any kind of theories as to what that name might be. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great uh, question. But I, I, you know, I have always thought it was kind of the same in the sense that like a lot of those 70s British rock bands have that kind of weird name, like Led Zeppelin. Let's be let's be honest. Right. Like, what if if you didn't if you weren't saying the band, when have you ever said Led Zeppelin? Probably never. That's true. Right? <laughs> or like Uriah Heep. It's like you know, or the Strobs, and you're like, yeah. this makes no sense. But you know, it's so I I think there there might be an element of that to it. Um, but yeah. I, that's a great question. I really don't know. Yeah, I, it just it kind of crossed my mind because I mean, at least here in the states, that's that's you know it's such a popular song for that reason. Yeah, it was sort of like, hmm, that's a very peculiar name choice for this. Band. And it's funny you said that because I've never made that. I've never thought of that. You know, kind of going to the music a little bit now. Like they 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 sound great. The the songs are are really are really great. I thought they've been stuck in my head the past few days since I've watched yeah. this movie. So I don't know how much um kind of like you saw about this, but. So there was a couple like kind of well-known musicians who who wrote a lot of the songs on this soundtrack, and and mm -hmm. I don't want to steal your thunder here. No, please have at it. This is um, you you have the floor. This is your show, man. <laughs> no, it's listen. It's so the soundtrack. I actually I actually never found the soundtrack. I, I remember I think oh, wow. I mentioned I was living in the UK at one point, and I kept looking for it and I never found it. And I think I could order it online, but I was kind of like, no, I'm going to buy it in a, in a store. Yeah. And I never found it. And then I never ended up getting, it. I think I had MP3 rips of it or whatever. Um, but yeah, we have, you know, like there, the whole, the soundtrack was, was written by, um, you know, Chris Difford from squeeze um, yeah. Marty Fredrickson, who's done a lot of writing for Aerosmith and all these other bands. Um, obviously uh, oh, why is his name is skipping my, my brain right now from foreigner uh, Mick Jones. Mick, Mick Jones, Jones yeah. um, has some, you know, co-writes on here. So there was some like heavy hitters. It, this wasn't, yeah. um, you know, like something thrown together by, you know, uh, I don't know, by like no name musicians. These right. were, you know, some people who came in and I don't know if these were songs that they had that were like, hey, you could use this. Or if these were songs that were written actually for the film. Right. Um, but but I, the thing that always kind of baffled me is like Bill Nye sings like mm -hmm. all the songs that he sings like it's yeah. not a studio musician it's him and I you know I think he does great Jimmy Nail um who's Les the bass player he uh he's actually a musician like if you ask my wife who's British she will tell you you know she kind of grew up with him being oh, a wow. top 40 singer no kidding um, really yeah so he had a like one really big song called Crocodile Shoes and wow. um it's not really my thing but you know <laughs> It's uh, so he and he's got the voice and he goes uh, that, that that one song, which is going to be on the next record um, the that flame, they're recording. Flame still burns. <laughs> well, the flame still burns oh, no, was that's... an older song. Yeah. 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 Um, ten, apparently, like in the movie. Right. <laughs> um, but it's uh, I think it's what what might have been. Um, oh, yes. What might have been. Okay. Yeah. What might have yeah. been. Um, you know, that's actually him singing and that's his voice. And, um, he had a wonderful yeah. voice. Yeah. He's got like this mm -hmm. kind of gruff and soulful, um, I don't want to say Paul Rogers, but that kind of style yeah. of that British, mm -hmm. you know, uh, 
blue eyed soul uh, yeah. blues singer. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's fantastic. And, you know, you've got Billy Conley um, doing the, uh, the stealing on the bus yeah. when they're in. So it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Like, and the songs are catchy and they're, they're like we said, they're really well written and they go great with this, with this film. They do. Yeah. They definitely have that heavy foreigner influence they, that when I, when I saw that, that Mick Jones had contributed, I was like, Oh, that makes perfect sense. Cause they do. A lot of them do sound like they could be foreigner songs. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. especially like all over the world, all mm-hmm. over the world. sounds like a, you know, um, and it's kind of the, the peak of, of their tour, their European tour right, um, right. in the film. Absolutely. Like that. And that's a grace. And like you said, like that mm-hmm. got stuck in my head and I was like, I got to get this. And then, <laughs> but I actually found it. I have a CD single for the flame still burns. Do you really? I do. It's weird. I found that, but I never found the actual. <laughs> oh, no kidding. That's yeah. funny. And that's a so. great song. I mean, I really enjoyed that song. He sings it beautifully. The beginning of it, uh, uh, like the opening chords, when they first started playing it, I, I was like, are they playing flash dance? Cause it <laughs> has that same kind of chord progression. And then I realized, Oh I no, can... that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely um and uh the, the, the one thing that i thought was kind of funny about this um when they when they finally when they were you know doing concert back together hitting the road um the the, the audience was not the, the audience so this they're they're an old 70s band they haven't played in 20 years and then they, they play their first gig and they have like these 20 year old girls just like you know in the front you know <laughs> getting all excited like is that really who would be seeing strange fruit after 20 years i don't yeah it's funny because <laughs> you know they talk about and and obviously that's like one of the later shows right because some of the earlier shows it's just like there's very, very few people in the audience. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, and this kind of goes back to the whole 1998 thing. You weren't promoting this online, right? Yeah. Um, they, they show up at the first gig and their name is spelt wrong. And it's, it's, yeah. You know, and it's like, <laughs> so I think. O-O-T. Yeah. <laughs> so I think a lot of the, um, I think a lot of, it's actually pretty legit in the sense that like, I think a lot of times they'd be playing these clubs and people would be going to the club to go to the club, not to see the band. And you know, they may not know. And all of a sudden, Hey, there's this band and Oh, there's these old British guys and they're up there, you know, and apparently they were a big band in the seventies, but nobody knows that. Right. Cause they're just yeah. trying to get their, their feet wet again, back on touring and stuff. Yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that. thought about that. It's a, maybe more of like a nightlife thing than a, you know, let's go see strange fruit. kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and then that got the word of mouth kind of spread. And then that, yeah, I don't imagine that they didn't, I mean, a lot of them did their own singing, but as far as playing the instruments goes, I don't imagine that. I have to be honest and I can't remember the actor's name, but the, the young guitar player who's with them. Yeah. As a guitar player, I can't help but watch and go, you're not even close. Like, like <laughs> you didn't even look like he was trying. Yeah. Nah, you know, it was, it was about the pose and the, you know, he's like the, uh, the young hot, you know, axe slinger who's yeah. uh, there to bring, you know, a, a new, a, a young element to the band and uh, yeah i just right. that one i kind of went meh but a little um, bit of an eye roll <laughs> yeah and you know chris Rea, you don't really need to see because you just see his arms moving at the keyboard yeah. um i thought Tim is, timothy spall wasn't too bad they probably timed it well with the yeah. um the editing <laughs> I, yeah but i thought jimmy nail and um and and bill nye were great like i yeah. thought they they kind of nailed the whole stage yeah. performance and that and that contrast between them where you're like they're, mm-hmm. he's gonna drop the bass and they're just gonna go at it real, really yeah. soon <laughs> i mean they're they're like right at like teetering on the edge of exploding at any minute it's like Absolutely. In every single minute of this movie <laughs> yeah for sure well if there's yeah. i mean there's the great scene where and it and i meant to mention this earlier but um it, it kind 
I don't want to say shows its age, but we talked about how, you know, this was kind of at the start of the internet and stuff. And that didn't mean anything to this, uh, to these bands and, and to the, the, the touring and to for the right. promotion. And one of your big promotion was television. And so there's the great scene where um, he says, uh, so Zoe Ball, who's a well-known um, DJ in the UK, mm-hmm. she interviews the band. And remember it had the way it gets edited that it yeah. doesn't make some of the band members look great. And um, <laughs> Ray goes after Bino and, you know, but that was massive, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, you growing up and me growing up and, you know, you growing up in, in, in America with MTV and me growing up in Canada with much music, that's how we heard of bands or that's how we heard that, Hey, a band is getting back together. Right. I mean, you had magazines and stuff, but they weren't immediate. You were like behind a month or six weeks or two months. Um, you had the radio and you had much music and MTV and, you know, so those were a big deal. So they actually, I like how they kind of played that up. Like, Hey, cause Bill Nye's part on the, on the interview goes really well. And then clearly, and then it goes to, to, to Bino's and it falls completely apart. Like he embarrasses everybody. Absolutely. Especially Ray. Right. Cause he's just fuming. And like you said, they're, they're teetering on that, that, the, the end of the plank as it is so right right and yeah. that, that big foreshadowing at the beginning of the movie with the lightning bolt so the movie starts <laughs> when they're playing their last gig in 1977 mm-hmm. and it it's sort of uh cut short by a, a <laughs> mutant lightning bolt that tears into the stage yeah <laughs> and uh, caused a lot of commotion and and that kind of is why they they parted ways um and uh you know for, for it was a variety of reasons of interpersonal reasons, but that was kind of like the, the final, you know, as he said, that was God giving them a sign that they need to end it and what they're doing now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Billy Conley's narration um, is, is pretty scattered through the movie. Like it's yeah. not all the way through, but I think at parts like that, it was brilliant. Like it was yeah. just enough to kind of go, here's what you need to know. And, right. and, you know, he's, and, and by halfway through the movie, you know, his character so well that you're like, you want to hear him more. So, right, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm generally not a big fan of narration in movies, but this one, it was so well done that I, I barely even realized it was happening. And yeah, that's, that's when you know that it's narration that's well done. It doesn't impose itself on the movie. I agree. Um, yeah, so that, that was a really funny moment. Then at the end, there's that callback at the end. I, I don't, you know, don't want to get into too many spoilers, but it's um, the same kind of how they're at the very end when they're playing their last gig and Karen's looking up at the sky, like waiting for some <laughs> something to happen um for a lightning bolt or something to hit and yeah that was a that was a neat callback yeah. i i agree and yeah kind of obviously the, the cliche is it goes full circle and it really does yeah. um yeah. but i love the fact that <laughs> sorry this always kind of makes me laugh with mm. when bino right before they're about to go on and and again this is there's a there's this little subtle subplot that goes through the movie where bino owes money to the tax man yes right? yeah and <laughs> And he thinks, and there's these two people, especially this one woman who keeps showing up at gigs and at his place mm-hmm. of work and stuff. And he thinks she's the, the tax lady who's right. coming to get it. And I won't, we won't, we won't give away what it, what actually right. it is. Um, but he comes back to the stage, very happy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's a great, but right before he gets there, the promoter is saying, you're not going on after quo. And I love that line <laughs> yeah. because you know, I know when I've, so again, we know each other through, you know, we play a, a music quiz each Saturday. Um, and I was, I think I was the first person, maybe the second to ever play status quo. Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people in definitely not a lot of people in North America realize how massive they are around the world. 
Mm. Um, they do headline festivals in Europe and especially in Britain. And, and, you know, they can go and play Hyde Park and 50,000 people will show wow. up, you know? <laughs> wow. And, um, and so I love that line because it's like, you're not bigger than quote, like you're, <laughs> you know, you better find your drummer cause you're going right. on now. So, um, you know, but yeah, it's, there's so, I love it. I, 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 it made, and it was yeah. such a, it was such a welcome revisit to go back and watch this. Cause I said, like, I haven't watched it in years. Yeah. Um, and like you said that going back to what you were saying, like, excuse me, the full circle at the end was brilliant. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and, and one other, uh, another plot point too, that we actually hadn't talked about was the, was the Brian story mm. in this movie that I thought was really, it kind of, kind of snuck up on me. Um, there, so they're, um, their former guitarist. So, so we talked about that they mentioned, or we mentioned that they have this younger kind of like, you know, show offy guitarist who likes to wear that rainbow sweater that I thought mm -hmm. was so cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's, so it's to make up for um, Brian, their former guitarist who at kind of when the, you know, towards the beginning when they're first reuniting and they're seeing everybody again, um, it's kind of implied that he has passed away because he's given a lot of his royalties to cancer charities. Yeah. And, um, you know, certain things happen. It come to find out that um, he's not dead. He just is in an, he's been institutionalized due to some trauma um, possibly caused by that concert that was mentioned at the beginning of the movie. Um, we don't know specifics. It is, he, um, we just know that when he, when they came back from the tour, he was not himself and they, committed him but um and i'll tell you my favorite scene from that whole part of the film where they go to visit him mm -hmm. is actually when they're leaving and it's um tony and, and karen and they're walking back to the car and kind of out of nowhere karen just starts crying and i love that because it's just so like it's so that's one thing that i i too i love about british cinema and and mm -hmm. british television it doesn't have to hit you over the head Right. It can be very, you know, and I remember seeing that and you kind of go, I think I would do the same. Like, it's yeah. just, you know, the, yeah. the love of your life who you haven't seen in, in decades and right. you thought had died because you were watching them self-destruct and you find them, but all of a sudden you don't know how to deal with it. And, you know, that, that human emotion, I, I love that. that yeah. I'm a, and the older I get, the bigger I become a softie and I, <laughs> I fall for it every time. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you because it, it makes sense with the character and it's, you know, it's imagine just finding out 20 years later, just on a whim like that, that, you know, like you said, the love of your life is, oh no, he's actually alive. Yeah. He's just, he's not well. Right. It's that, that's almost harder to deal with, I would yeah. think, you know. And you know what, and I, I, I don't know um, if you planned on bringing up the press conference, but one of the other aspects mm. of this is, um, and, and and I know I'm a, I'm a bit older than you, so I, I kind of remember the British music press was so massive, uh, especially in the 90s, right? Because you had Britpop and, and you had the, the weekly papers, the NME and the Melody Maker, and you had all these other magazines that went with it. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the movie, right before the, this big gig, big gig that we've been talking about, they have this press conference. And one of the things that was the British music press was always notorious for doing um, was building a band up and then loving to tear them down. Wow. And, uh, you know, Unfortunately, that kind of happens in the press conference. And it's the young guitar player that you were, you know, talking about earlier, I think wearing the rainbow sweater at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, he's, it's the kind of the first time that he's actually stands up and he's like, show them some respect. And, mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I, there's so many, there's so many great scenes in this. Like, 
so many films, it's just like the story is really um, like the scenes just kind of blend in each other. But I think in this film, like you can really take certain scenes and they just stand out by themselves. Yeah. And, they're, and I, I love that scene. And yeah. I mean, because there's a comedy at the start of the press conference, but then it gets really dark really fast. And right. uh, yeah. I'm glad I, you mentioned that about the about the, the press because I, I noticed that he that particular journalist when they were at that press conference and Brian was back, he really was going out of his way to really bully him. Yeah. And, and to really, you know, like you said, tear him down and really push his buttons, you know, saying things like, oh, was it because of your brother? And just and you could just see him just his in his face just crumble. I know? remember. Yeah. You know, it's funny because in the 90s, I used to read a lot of those papers I would read the I you know we would get them on import and they'd be really expensive so I wouldn't get them all the time but I, the ones I would get um or I would buy the British rock magazines like Kerrang and stuff and I just remember thinking a lot of times like they were so and it's so funny because I remember I I had a friend that I would share them with and he used to say they're so eloquently wrote like they're written so beautifully and I'm like yeah. I know but they're also stabbing you in the back and you don't realize it and when I, that press conference, and I, I kind of forgotten about it until I rewatched it. And I was sitting there going, they were notorious for that. At, during those nights, especially in the 90s, uh, I'm not saying they didn't in the 70s and 80s too. They probably did. But when I was reading them in the 70s, I remember that thinking, wait, like didn't two months ago, you were saying that this is the, the best thing since sliced bread. And now you're ready to, you know, put them in the six feet under. And I, I never understood wow. it, but they would say it like, you know, poetically. Like, right. to be honest, like, it's like it a wolf beautiful. in sheep's clothing. Almost. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. That's fascinating. I didn't realize how, how vicious they were like that. Like they could and, be. Yeah. And specifically, like you're saying specifically British press or. Yeah. Or just I mean, of music journalism in general. I, no, I, I, I can't speak really so much for, uh, for other, you know, North American journal. I mean, I was writing at the time actually as well. Mm. And I was actually writing for some British rock magazines Wow. and, um, but I, I would, I never tried to do that. Like I would be, I would be commissioned to write an article about a band or a, a review about a CD or concert or something. Um, I wasn't doing kind of the news stuff, but I remember the, there was a lot of editorial work in NME and, 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 and Melody Maker, uh, those two in particular. And yeah, I mean, but also you had almost characters, right? Like the different journalists were characters and this one might be kind of more, like you said, like more willing to bully somebody than this one who kind of seemed to like everything, but they, they printed it and it seemed more of an opinion piece as opposed to fact, right? Like it wasn't just about like, Hey, this band's got a new record coming out. It was about, Hey, this happened. And then we heard this and it's just like, well, you didn't need to print mm -hmm. that. Like you're doing that because you're trying to, to get, we would call it clickbait nowadays. Right. Oh, That's okay. really what it was. That makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. And much in the same way as a TV program where they, you know, where they put Bino's little drunken tirade in the, in the actual, you know, segment on TV and which sets them off. It's the same, same concept, really. That's yeah. interesting how that totally actually reflects true journalism at the time. Anyway. Well, you know, what's funny is because, you know, they, 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 there's the old saying that, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. That's not true. You know, we know that. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, the, the press conference kind of really shows what it could be like. Not everybody was like that, obviously, but right. some of the bigger ones were. Yeah. And, and, you know, and good on that kid for standing up for them and, and you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of giving it right back to him. Like, you yeah. got to respect these guys. And um, that was a really good way for him to go because he's kind of a he's kind of a little bit of a nondescript character up until he that is. point. 
He's yeah. not, he doesn't have a huge part. Um, yeah. He's, I think they mentioned in the film that he's kind of there at the insistence of the new record company because they wanted, they thought it would bring some youth, a youth element to, which right. it kind of does. And I think maybe that goes back to what you were saying about the younger, um, uh, you know, audience. Um, and obviously there's the, there's the kind of uh, another subplot with him and the dot da- Karen's daughter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's his characters. I mean, it wouldn't have worked to have Brian through the entire film, but he doesn't, make or break the movie by any stretch right yeah it's a little a bit maybe a little bit of a superfluous character but but he mm-hmm. redeems himself by the end in that moment yes so. <laughs> <laughs> um and then and then there's a lot you know a long stretch in the middle of the movie that becomes a little more episodic um when they're on tour on the tour bus you know i i, I, have, to, I have to be honest with you i i racked my brain for a little while afterwards trying to come up with band names that have body parts <laughs> 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 I love it later because Vito comes back to it later and he's like blood sweat and tears that's yeah. three <laughs> <laughs> so so just for listeners there's a scene um again not giving too much away but there's a scene where they're on the tour bus and they're you know it, they get bored on the tour bus there's a skill in time so they play this, this game where everybody takes turns mentioning a band think of a band name that has a body part in it so they say you know I have like bad finger and uh little talking feet. heads and yeah. little feet yeah exactly <laughs> absolutely yeah I mean I can only listen and that's one of the nice things too is it doesn't and I, I think that's one of the reasons I really did like it as well is that, mm-hmm. um, and, and you and I are big music guys and we know um, that there are times, and I, I remember when I used to interview people, like the, a lot of the bands that I would interview and stuff in the 90s were ones who were no longer in their heyday, right? Which I didn't yeah. mind because I loved a lot of their music and stuff still. Yeah. But I would get the ones who would put on the front of saying, you know, oh yeah, we still sell a ton of records in Germany or Japan and, and we still have our Ferraris and stuff. Hmm. And then I had the other ones that were honest with me that were like, yeah, I work at a video star part time. And, uh, you know, and you were like, and this movie from the get go doesn't just doesn't disguise that doesn't try to glamorize the fall that these that this band has had. Like, um, you know, the Ray is the very first character we see or sorry, not Ray, um, Tony. And he's a vending machine uh, salesman like he puts (laughs) the uh, the prophylactics into the vending machines that you would find at a nightclub in the bathroom and uh you know like and sales aren't good because as they say the british haven't been (laughs) right (laughs) that's a really good point that i hadn't thought about it it really is i mean de-glamorizes you know people who think you know i'm gonna be rock star it's like well Mm -hmm. you know i mean here today gone tomorrow i mean it's a lot of more often than not your time is fleeting unless for those rare few that are really you know that they have that right that stroke of luck i mean yeah it's be prepared to to have a life of you know working hard to make ends meet doing whatever it takes you know (laughs) a good friend of mine is a he's a producer in the uk and Mm -hmm. he was in a band and they had a deal uh with sony and they recorded a debut album and then the sony the the sony shelved the debut and and it never got released Mm -hmm. um and it's a great album and stuff but he's I remember him telling me at the time, he said his manager had told him, he said, look, here's what you need to do. You need to hit one big hit, just one, but it's got to be like a really big hit. He said, because then what will happen? And again, this was back in the nineties, right? So it wasn't like yeah. uh, now it might be a little different, but back then he said, look, if you can get one hit, it'll always be on the radio. You'll get royalties from that. You'll, if you can get it on compilations, right? He goes, you're going to get royalties from that. And he goes, and you'll have a living the rest of your life. And then anything you do above that, he goes, your lifestyle is paid for. He goes, you'll have to be modest, but it is what it is. Hmm. And, um, you know, 
I don't think these guys had that, right? This this right. seems like a band that was massive at the time in the 70s, right? They're talking about playing. I love, there's the joke. He goes, Mike, the gig I remember the most was the Hollywood Bowl. And he turns <laughs> and he goes, we never played the Hollywood <laughs> Bowl. You know, but they have the, because when they toured America, right? Um, right, right. <laughs> but the funny thing is, is that like, I think a lot of these, as you see in the movie, like you, you mentioned, these guys don't have that. Right. They're having to make money other ways and stuff. And uh, my friend, unfortunately, never had that success with that mm -hmm. song, um, you know, and, you know, but he, he still thankfully he's he's the one guy in the band who still gets to, to make a living uh, at music. Right. right Everybody right. else has moved on to something else. So that's true. I think that would be the other way, too, if you could really succeed is if you're you know, if you have a lot of respect and you're, you're very prolific, you know, even if you don't get a lot of, you know, financial success or airplay, if you have mm -hmm. enough of a, you know, following or what have you, or if you're at it long enough, I think that, you know, that would be an exception also. But I think we see that now, right? I mean, because yeah. artists aren't making money selling music unless they're selling it directly to their fans. That's true. Yeah. So. And, it's, you know, and with streaming now, that's another huge because they make like peanuts from streaming I just streaming music. I, I just read a, uh, an article with Gary Newman um I think it was from the Guardian and he said that on Spotify he had had a million plays of I can't remember what song it was but one of his tracks had just over a million plays and when he got his uh statement at the end of the year he made 37 pounds which is about 50 bucks wow from just you know and that's dominating the music industry so yep. th so think about that I mean how much it takes a million streams for Gary Newman to get 50 bucks. I mean, yeah. that's really sad. It's kind of scary for the future. And that's, and that's an, and that's an artist, an established artist. And that's also something that's from a, a like, that is a, a heritage act who has already paid back the um, money that made the, the paid for the album in the first place. Right. Because I don't right. think a lot of people understand that. Like when, when you make an album uh, the record company lends you the money. Right. Mm -hmm. And so all these new artists and who go, you know, go listen to our stuff on Spotify, they're not even making the money back to pay the record company back for the album. So how much they're actually seeing of it, probably even less than that. Wow. That's true. I didn't think about that. The, the, the loan that they have to return yeah. to the company. So I, that's, that's why the business is so. It's not, brutal. it's not, the, it's not artist friendly, unfortunately. No, it's, it's really not. And um, even 20 years ago when this movie came out, I mean, obviously streaming was not a thing, but it's the same, same, same concept, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, record sales and, and now think about now to, to touring is out of the question, <laughs> right. Thanks to COVID. So they can't even get money. That's, that's the biggest revenue for an artist is, is concerts and touring. And now and it has been for gone. years and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I don't know how a lot of, I, I, I'm worried that a lot of my favorite artists, cause I think you and I are similar uh, in the sense that a lot of our favorite artists are not the mainstream massive artists. Correct. Yeah. And my hope and is that at the end of this, they're still around. Like they haven't had to go get a job, uh, you know, working at a bank and now, Hey, they got a pension and they've got health insurance. And I don't think people realize, I don't think people give enough weight to art and, and I don't, and I think if you wanted to, I, I, I always say, if you wanted to demonstrate that to somebody during this pandemic, take away everything artistic that could be available to somebody, take away Netflix, take away Spotify, take away, and you'll very quickly realize how boring life is without it. Mm -hmm. It's true. I mean, it's been our sanity this mm -hmm. entire time. And it's really been, I, I don't, I don't care what, you know, 
anybody says it, it, without movies, without TV, we would we wouldn't have survived this emotionally, mentally. I don't know. A hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. And it's I think I don't know. I just think it's criminal that that, that artists are not for one thing, not given the financial, you know, what they're due, but also just, you know, as far as respect goes. Yeah. I mean, we know a couple of things about that. <laughs> I, I, I know. Yes, we do. But you know, what's funny. And I'll, I'll mention this actually really quickly and I'm, mm. I'm kind of going off topic, but it was something Sorry. that I, I actually have, I'm going to show you, and I know you can't see it on the podcast, but mm. I have the British DVD of this. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> right. So there's, there's an open, and I love this. I'm going to read you inside the first line because um it kind mm. of tells you where the idea for the movie come because I, I love this nice it says the idea for still crazy came from a conversation between musician alan price and screen leader ian Luff. i'm always say this wrong <laughs> france frenace uh, about the reunion tour of price's 60s group the animals la france alan said that after five minutes in the dressing room with that lot he knew why they broke up in the first place so <laughs> We have the animals to thank and their tumultuous relationships with each other to thank for this, for this movie. So it's, a, it's a lot of fun, this movie. And um, it is. I just, you know, I think it's, it's definitely one of those people. Listen, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen this, then I think it, I'd be very surprised if you didn't find something in it that you liked. Yeah, I completely agree. This, this really caught me by surprise. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, it, it was very much not what I expected in a, in a very good way. Um, yet, I mean, <laughs> the, the poster is a little bit misleading. Um, it's it's a great poster. It's a cool poster with the whole band and everything, but it makes it look like makes it look a little bit more um, irreverent than it really is. Yeah, um, and absolutely. it is you know it, it is really in a lot of ways too very much like a love letter to to music and rock music, and and you know. Yeah, the way that it's—I mean, it doesn't portray its its subject in the best light all the time. But as far as you know, the 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 links that these these people go to for for their art and for you know what they they believe in is—I think it shows a, a lot of respect for the for the art form. A hundred percent. I think it's um, you know, it's 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 like we talked about music music journalists. But when you find a, a music journalist that you connect with, mm. um you know, whether it's a blog or a magazine or whatever, or, or, or books, absolutely. Like you can feel their passion in their writing. And I think with this as well, like, I think that the creators of this and, and one thing we didn't mention. And mm -hmm. uh, so the director is uh, Brian Gibson, mm -hmm. who had, re who had um, directed the, the Tina Turner movie that uh, what's love got to do with it. Oh yes, that's right. Which I yeah. have covered on here actually. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I think, yeah, I mean, you can tell, right? It's yeah. it, when they're when they're vanity projects, and um, it, it it almost I don't know if that's the right word I'm looking for the right term, but like when it's something like that, like you feel they're that's why you connect with it because you're like, yeah. this is what I love, right? And right. and for me, this was it came out at the right time too. Um, for mm -hmm. me, like so, you had mentioned that it came out in 1998. Uh, in Canada, I actually came out in 1999 oh, and okay. uh, not far into 99, but we used to have a station here, uh, much music, like I said, and I think much yeah. still kind of exists in some format, but around that time, <laughs> much they actually, less music now, <laughs> yeah, much less music, much more game shows. Yeah. Um, but they actually had a second channel at the time that was called much more music. And basically mm. there was a fraction. It's kind of like when VH1 came out, it almost became VH1 was for like the people who started with MTV, but have gotten older. 
yeah, and true. are following something different. And it was kind of the same for uh, much more music where it was like, okay, this is for the people who have gotten older and who don't want to hear the, the latest boy band, but you know, still love music. Mm-hmm. And at the time uh, they actually had a contest to uh, win tickets because it was playing at like three or four theaters across Canada. So that's how many, it didn't make it massive Mm. into the theaters, unfortunately. Um, But Toronto was one of them and I entered, I never won. Um, (laughs) But I remember seeing the the commercials for the the advertisement for the contest. And I remember thinking, I've got to see this movie. Like I knew right then and there. And again, like I knew of the, a lot of the actors and I was like, and it's about a rock band. Yeah. I mean, I'm all so, in. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, it must have been like such a such a you know specifically British film that it really didn't get any promotion on this side of the pond. You know what? They it's funny. We get the odd, you get the odd one, right? Like you get like mm. the Full Monty, or yeah. you get um. I, I mean, that's the first one that pops into my head. But you get those ones that do st- stand out, right? Mm-hmm. That f- break in here, like you know. I think of the TV show The Office, right? Like, true, yeah. I w- remember watching it in the UK, thinking this will never translate, like never. <laughs> and you know, because it's so dry and stuff. And yeah. obviously, the American one, like the first series of The Office, basically is word for word, except a few dialogue, like, um, you know, kind of colloquialisms Mm -hmm. uh, is basically the same. And I remember watching the American version going, this isn't working. And then it obviously blew up. Right. And people kind of identified with the humor and you get that from time to time. Unfortunately that this wasn't one of those ones that maybe there just wasn't the money behind it or the push. I I don't know, but yeah, I think, Yeah. yeah, but everybody I've ever showed it, to even people who aren't necessarily quote unquote rock and roll fans, but just like comedies or whatever, they were yeah. like, yeah, it's great. So. Yeah. And I, I would say, I mean, it, it's a rock and roll movie, but I don't think that music is like the main thrust of the movie. I think the no. movie really is, you know, uh, it, it is more like, a, a, what do they call dramedy? Yes. <laughs> more than anything. I mean, the music is really just there as kind of window dressing for a lot of it. Absolutely. Um, but, but that's not what drives the movie necessarily it's more it's just it's more it's a relationship movie yeah for sure like a but like a really large group buddy film i guess you could say (laughs) yeah and you know and you've kind of got like the uh the yoko ono character with ray's wife (laughs) and um you know and i i I just i you know what and it's so funny because I, i i often find and one of the big complaints that i have had about the pandemic and this sounds such like a terrible for, you know, a frivolous thing, first world problem, but it is like trying to find shows for me um, that mm-hmm. I have, I can connect with in the last year, right. Has been difficult in the sense that I need characters that I can attach to that. I like, I don't necessarily have to like them, but I have to believe them. And, you know, like as much as I find Ray's wife annoying, I, I can still go, she's real like yes. you know like she's a I believable still, she's as a, a believable human. person absolutely yeah. and i love that and I, I and every character in this is like that for me and you know even like you said like you know ray and i i'm sure would not be best friends i'm sure i would you would i would lose right. my mind if we were <laughs> um but there's so much in him that i go i can connect there right the good yeah. and the bad and it's i you know, I, this is my, my far and away. I, I didn't say this up front, but this is far and away my favorite Bill Nye performance slash mm. like easily. Even better than Detective Pikachu? <laughs> that's that's close, close. And a little a little better than Love Actually. Oh, yeah, we, we won't go there. <laughs> we won't go there, no. <laughs> but I forgot, I, I, I was reminded when you were talking about his singing that he does sing in that movie. 
In, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I vaguely yeah. remember that. And actually, yeah. Love actually came out. See, there's another British film that actually, um, I mentioned the full Monty, but there's another one that did really well worldwide. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so whatever it was that connected at the time. Um, but yeah, I forgot about that. And that came out, what, two or three years after um, this, I guess. That came out, let's see. 2001, 2003. Oh, okay. Well, a couple yeah. years after. Yeah. Yeah, about five years after. Yeah. And I, it, that one probably because it has, you know, was so star studded and, you know, it was very much, you know, it was well, very, this, very palatable. So I think I, it, it appealed to a lot of people. Yeah. I think this, this is that ensemble cast, right? And this is something like that Downton Abbey does as well, right? Oh, there's another oh, one. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's, it's, because I was thinking about this and, and I don't know if I mentioned this and I, if I'm repeating myself, I'm having a seniors moment and I apologize. <laughs> um, Who's the main character in this? In Still Crazy? Yeah. Yeah, we, we, we meant it a little bit. We they're did, really, yeah. they're, they're kind of balanced. There really isn't one person who dominated. I would say if we like had to pick one, I would say maybe Ray. Right. Because he, but just by, by virtue of the fact that he's the, the lead singer of the band, quote unquote. Yeah, it's that ensemble cast where like, and, and I'm not a big Downton Abbey fan, but my wife is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, you've got the, you've got main characters. We've got main characters in this. Like Ray's wife is not a main character. The, the young guitar player is not a main character. Um, but, you know, it, 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 you, it, all the elements are, are required or they're necessary because without it, there's not one force that drives the entire film. Right. And you, you know, like you said, those characters who are not main characters, we were still able to have like a really, you know, good conversation about them because mm-hmm. they're so developed, even though they maybe only have 15, 20 minutes of, free, of screen time, we were given enough information in an only an hour and a half film, you know, that really says a lot about how well written this movie is and how right. well, how well structured this movie is. And I would say um, if you watch this, and you enjoy it. I mean, the one thing that I would say to go back and watch is Porridge um, because Porridge with Ronnie Barker and Richard Beckinsale uh, is the, the most similar in, in this. The, the, there's not the music element, but it's just mm-hmm. the, the character driven. And there is a main character in that because Ronnie Barker's character is the main character, mm-hmm. but the other ones are so important. Um, you know, I, I just couldn't imagine. And there is one, there's one brilliant porridge episode that is one take. It's one shot wow. and it goes on and they stay in the cell the entire time. And, um, and it's kind of known as the classic episode and I'm trying, it's, it's escaping me which series it is or what it's called. Um, but it's so brilliant. And it's just, the, I think it goes back to the writing and you can not have, that's your foundation, right? Without good writing. Yeah. You know, I do find so I'm a huge Billy Conley fan. I love Billy Conley's comedy. Uh, I think he's a brilliant actor, much underrated. You you think about like Mrs. Brown. It's just it's unbelievable. Um, and in this, his performance, I think, is very understated. But the one thing that I know enough about Billy Conley, I'm pretty certain that a few of his lines, he's I don't want to say he's, um, you know, improvised, but I think he's improved oh, okay. because there's. There's definitely a couple of lines. I'm like, he said that in stand up before. And, you know, like he's added it to whatever like he's the line kind of just was. like put his little stamp on it. Yes. Yeah. And I think it's worked. I think it works brilliantly. Like, yeah. Uh, so that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm definitely going to check out Porridge for sure. I'm very intrigued by that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Only 20 episodes. And this is cool to hear because I mean, when I hear, when I think of British comedy, I think of thing, you know, like what was on, you know, PBS, you know, right. served and keeping up yeah. appearances, you know, the ones. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, one foot in the grave and all that. Yeah. 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 Exactly. On, on Friday night on PBS. Buffalo. Yes. Well, we get, we get the same station. We yes, get the- <laughs> you do. Yeah. 
Um, so Mike Drew, thanks so much again for, for introducing me to this hidden gem. It, I think it's a really underrated movie that, that more people should see. And um, I would have had no idea if, uh, uh, that it even existed if it weren't for you telling me about this. So I no, really well, listen, listen thank you so much for having me. It was great. And yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it because, uh, you know, like we said, anything that you can you can find, especially if it's kind of like that hidden gem that can make you smile and, and yeah. you know, bring you some happiness, uh, especially during this this difficult time, you know, that's mm. it's a it's a good thing. So, no, thank you so much for having me. It was, it was oh, a yeah. lot of fun chatting. Anytime, anytime. Um, so where, where can we find you out in the social media world and internet land? <laughs> yeah, so if you really want to know what my class has got for homework, uh, you can follow me <laughs> on Twitter at Mr. D's class, M-R-D-S-C-L-A-S-S. Um, but I also post music things and, and you and I will go back and forth on there sometimes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And, and, and you know, get and, extra credit for completing some of the homework. You know, absolutely. Right? Listen, I, I need to do more music based things. So, and then uh, maybe I can, I can pull in some of the kids and, um, but yeah, on there's great. And uh, if you're friends with a friend of mine on Facebook, then you can probably find me on there too. Perfect. Sounds good. And um, for the podcast, you can find me at rock movies pod and at Josh F six one eight and um, email me at movies at rockpod at gmail.com and leave a, leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts as it is now, I should say. They, they've changed it, so it helps people find the show. Five so, stars. Five stars, yeah. <laughs> Only Well, this episode, definitely five stars. So There you go. Maybe, Thank yeah. you. <laughs> so, all right, have a great night. Thank you so much for, for coming, and we'll talk to you soon. Live